Kelsey, I am excited to talk to our guest today. I think this is going to be really fun. In this episode of The First 50 Pages, we have the wonderful opportunity to chat with Gina Sorrell about her new book, The Wise Women. I do think this interview is going to surprise us. I know that our guest's latest book definitely did. After two decades of working as an actor, our guest today returned to her first love, writing. Gina Sorrell is a graduate with distinction of the UCLA Extension Writers Program. She is the author of Mothers and Other Strangers, which was a great group reads selection and a 2017 best book of Refinery29, and her soon-to-be novel, The Wise Women, published under HarperCollins, is generating a lot of buzz. Gina is also the creative director and brand storyteller under the banner of her own agency, Words Make the Brand. Originally from Johannesburg, Gina has lived in New York and Los Angeles and now lives in Toronto with her husband and son. Welcome to the first 50 pages, Gina. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I just finished reading The Wise Women last night. I really did enjoy it. It's a book that surprised me quite often. And while it's a story that at its heart explores the complicated relationships of mothers and daughters, which I definitely want to talk more about, It also makes you think about other things like aging and gentrification and the power of words to influence us and the process of finding purpose. Could you tell our listeners, Gina, a little bit more about your latest novel? Sure. So thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, the, The Wise Women is a story of two grown daughters and their meddling advice columnist mother. And it picks up in New York City, just as the youngest daughter, Clementine, has the rug pulled out from underneath her. And what we see is, you know, as her mother and sister rush to her aid, we realize that they aren't just running there to help her. They're also running away from their own problems that have been quietly mounting, (laughs) um, that they haven't shared with one another. So, you know, I really wanted to take a look at, as you said, the complicated relationship uh, between mothers and daughters. And also it's a really rich and rewarding relationship where it can be. Um, I wanted to look at that sibling dynamic, you know, how siblings often have a different experience uh, with their parent from one another. And and I wanted to take a look at what these women do when they're in crisis. You know, they're all in crisis individually in their own situations and they're gonna need to be able to move forward. But in order to do that, they're gonna have to reckon with some things from their past that they haven't dealt with, both with themselves and with one another. So for me, it's it's really about the resilience of women and uh, and the way that we come together and support one another and the price that we're willing to pay, not just to keep going forward, but to get to where we really hope to be. That's a great description. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so was the wise women more of a personal story for you to write? Um, oh, I think all the stories are personal. You know, in so many ways, I, I do. I think I, I like to start off with with something that feels real and connected to me and is personal, and and then you know take it as far away from me as I can in terms of fictionalizing it and adding other characters and building worlds and making it more about greater themes. But yeah, definitely, I started writing this book um, a few years ago, and in the year of 2019, I um you know, it was a year of really demanding and ultimately rewarding personal change. There were a lot of things that were going in my life uh, personally and professionally that I thought in many ways were settled. You know, I thought that I had um, 
had sort of had it figured all out. You know, I'd been working at a, at a company for a very long time that suddenly was going through a reorganization and I was going to find that the role as I currently knew it to be was no longer going to exist. Um, I had published my first book, Mothers and Other Strangers, and it had done well, and I'm very grateful for that. But my my follow-up book to it wasn't what my my agent was expecting, a book in between this, you know, and it wasn't what the publisher was expecting. And um, and it didn't make sense to add this book that nobody was expecting to their <laughs> list, you know, which I completely understand. You know, I, I had been building this um, audience and this style somewhere else, but I it was just a project that I felt like I needed to get out of me. So I, in many ways, it, it felt like I was starting all over. And after years of working to get to where I was, that was a that was a really big surprise. And, you know, everybody had their reasons for it and there's no bad feelings or anything like that. It was just a real pivot for all of us. And, uh, you know, but the feelings that you're left with when that happens is it, it can feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. At least that's how it, it did for me. So I started at that place and it got me thinking about, strangely enough, it got me thinking about betrayal, you know, and the ways that we, we think about betrayal in a specific way sometimes in terms of the most obvious being infidelity. But I was really wondering what happens when you feel betrayed by your situation or ways that you've betrayed yourself by maybe not being honest about what it is that you really want to do or how you want to go about doing that. Um, and that was really a jumping off point that led to Clementine, you know, exploring this idea of, of upheaval that surprises her, that takes her by surprise and how she has to react and deal with that. So kind of continuing in, you know, the vein of talking about the wise women, did you approach the creative or revision process differently for this book compared to your debut novel, Mothers and Other Strangers? I did. I mean, I don't think anyone gets as much time to write their debut novel as, um, as they do their next book. You know, and interestingly yeah, enough, yeah. It's, it's not really up to anyone to say, I can only really speak for myself. That's not fair to say that you don't get the time. I think the debut novel takes time. I think it takes a lot of time figuring out what it is that you're gonna say and it's your first book. So you really get the chance to, you know, you haven't got, uh, for me, I, had, I didn't have an agent when I was writing it at the beginning. So I was able to really spend as much time as I wanted figuring all of that out. Um, but it's years and years and years. And if I wanna have a career as a writer, I can't spend, that many years on a book. So uh, I mean, I can, but you know, we'll, we'll see you in a while. Um, so this book was much different. Yeah, I, I really wrote this book for myself to start with. Um, I was reading a lot of, you know, during that really difficult time of change, I, I found myself really drawn to books that were hopeful and inspiring and uplifting. And they really gave me a lot of joy and a lot of comfort. And I started to think, well, you know, maybe I don't just have to read a book like that. I can write a book like that. And this book was really a haven to me. And I kept it very close. I didn't share it with a lot of people. Like I had my first book, you know, sharing pages with friends or mentors and getting feedback. I, I had someone look at it at the very beginning. It started in a workshop and then I kept it really close. I'd uh, dear friend who I trust, look at it in the middle and then at the, again at the very end. So it was really, um, it was my haven during this time. So you've been involved in the performing arts since you were nine years old, attending performance <laughs> art schools and college at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. But you've said that writing has always been your first love. 
after devoting so much of your life to being an actor, was there a moment of inspiration that helped you make the bold choice to focus on writing as your career? Yeah, I think um, writing has always been my first love. You know, I, I use writing as a vehicle often to get myself roles uh, when I was younger, to create parts for myself when I wasn't getting called into auditions or when there wasn't jobs that were available. And um, and that, that's, that stayed with me. You know, I wrote sketch comedy. I was at Second City. Um, and I really just, that was always my favorite part of performing was the storytelling aspect of it, which is really the words. So my husband and I had moved to Los Angeles uh, to pursue our, our careers as actors. And it was sometime probably, you know, not too long after getting there and the first few years that I just, I just found myself getting tired of the waiting um, for jobs to come along, waiting for opportunities, waiting for those auditions. And so rather than be frustrated that I didn't have an outlet for my creativity, I decided to, to take a course at UCLA. And I just fell in love with long form fiction. I hadn't written it before. I'd only ever written short things. And this was a real awakening for me about you could take your time with a story. You didn't have to involve other people. You know, there wasn't, <laughs> you were dependent on actors and directors and casting directors, you know, or, or somebody saying, okay, you can come in now and try out for this part. I could spend all this time immersing myself in this world and creating these characters. And I really, I really loved it. It was a real bomb for me. And, um, and I just started to do it more and more. And I think there's just, it fits with my personality. I'm a really busy person. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who are still uh, performers and actors. My husband is an actor and an acting teacher. And I don't, um, I don't know if we share that same restlessness <laughs> between jobs, you know, mm -hmm. I don't even, even when I was on set, I would find myself wanting to, they're like, okay, thanks. You know, you can go back to your trailer. You can go back to your room or sit in that waiting area. And, uh, and I kind of lurk want to hang around the set. No, no, I'm good here. I'm good here. I'm just going to watch, you know, I just want to see what's happening, you know, or talk to the writer or talk to the director or, you know, chat with the producer on the break. Like I just, um, it just didn't feel like it was enough for me, you know? And, and that's also, I mean, because, you know, I wasn't in some incredibly, I wasn't a lead on some giant film, you know what I mean? Like in terms of what my experience was, right. I was a character actor and I was getting work, but you know, even though that work could pay my bills, it didn't feel like it was just fulfilling me creatively in the way that I needed to be fulfilled. The Wise Women does have deeper ideas and themes to explore, but it is witty mm -hmm. and lighthearted. Um, and one of the surprises for me in the novel was to see how the advice of the wise women, um, Wendy, Clementine, and Barb, evolve through the book. Um, mo a lot of the chapters, not every chapter, but a lot of the chapters start with a piece of advice um, from the wise women. Um, and some from Wendy in the beginning caused some serious eye rolling. <laughs> Even one where I was like, huh, you know, like, you read it <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh my goodness, what? Yeah. Um, and I know that was intentional, you know, on your part. But I also think that there are other women um, maybe from a different generation or social class than myself that may not roll their eyes, you know, that this really was advice for them. And, you know, they maybe would have seen it as wise in a certain place and time. Um, but for me to get to the end of the story, 
um, you know, the pearls of wisdom from the women feel more real, honest, and true. And I really did find myself liking Wendy Wise a lot more <laughs> as I learned so more of her story, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to be her friend, you know? I want to be, I want to follow her on Instagram, you know? Um, but so, I you know, my question was there um, a piece of advice that you wrote um, that you would say was your favorite um, or your favorite to write? Oh, gosh, that is such a good question. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm so glad that you, can I say first, I'm so glad that you grew to love Wendy. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I really love Wendy. And I think you're right. I think she really is a certain type of woman from a certain generation. And, you know, interestingly enough, though, she wasn't that kind of woman herself but she was um, speaking and advising women in the way that she would have been expected, I think, to behave. Had, did she not have a career? Had she not stepped outside that area and carved that place for herself? So in that way, it's also really frustrating because it's really hypocritical, you yeah. know, that she's giving this advice, but not taking it. Um, and also, you know, let's be honest, it's quite damaging <laughs> you know, yeah. what she's saying. Um, yes, I think that the, my favorite parts of the advice for Wendy is definitely writing the worst of her advice. <laughs> you, know, because, you know, I really did try to, to think of things that were just terrible that she could say, you know, and I'm, I might even be paraphrasing myself, which would be embarrassing, but you know, uh, it, it's okay for your, it's okay to be the breadwinner as long as your husband thinks that he's the bread baker. You know, I think that um, that's just, so outdated and, uh, and, and really fun. And I did, you know, I think it's also my copywriting background, um, yeah. working in, in brand storytelling, but I just wanted them to be as, as pithy as possible. Um, I mean, she, a lot of things that she says, you know, they're, they're, they're quite offensive. Um, this one made me laugh. You know, there's a fine line between meddling and mothering. Yeah. The wise woman knows that it's every mother's right to cross it. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is just, that yeah. to me is just such a mother thing um, that I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Like she's just quite, she's quite opinionated. And, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that as it progresses, the, the advice becomes more accurate, more actually wise, you know, that there is this evolution that happens as the characters realize um, what is right for themselves. And also that Wendy starts to see not only the world differently, but her place in it and also her children differently. And I have to say, full disclosure, I wrote this question before I finished the book last night. And so it was very ah. satisfying for me to get to the end. And I was like, I'm so glad. Yeah. And then I went back to the very beginning and I'm like, because the, you know, the beginning of the book starts with a piece of advice and then the end of the book ends with advice. And you really yeah. do see that evolution in it. Um, it was ve it was very satisfying to me. To, oh, I'm to have so that. glad. Thank you, said. I am so it, glad. It, it's the happy ending I wanted for them, right? <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> yay. Um, and, you know, we do need books like that. We need stories like that. Like you said, they... Um, you know, find us at different times in our life. Um, yeah. As, you know, when things might be chaotic. Um, yeah. And, and it's a, a great escape or a great, um, you know, just way to feel comfort, you know, in, this, in, yeah. in the stories. Um, but you mentioned, I'm so glad. Your, you know, the copywriting. 
Um, one of the other things I just have to mention that I mm-hmm. found really fun in the book was as Clementine is doing her copywriting and you're reading it and then it devolves into what she really thinks. <laughs> I thought that was very witty and I thought your experience in copywriting definitely has to um, kind of shine through maybe in some of those moments but you're reading along oh. and then it's like ha <laughs> like almost a oh, laugh out loud moment and I wanted to like go back and read it again because it did surprise I'm so glad. me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, that has happened. I mean, I've written copy for for everything. You know, I've written copy for technology. I've written copy for food. And, uh, you know, I, from one spectrum to the other, and I, I really, I really love it. Like, I really do enjoy it. But, you know, there absolutely there are times in which um, I'm separate from the product in a, in a really major way, you know, like Clementine, right? Yeah. Writing about these places that she could never afford to live in. Um, and I, you know, I thought it's fun to show just that, that, that frustration side, you know, um, these characters got to, what I love about, what I love about writing these characters is they get to do things that, you know, we don't get to do and say things that we maybe don't get to say, but wish that we could, you know, and it was fun to be Clementine in those moments, just letting it all hang out how she really felt, you know, (laughs) and they were witty um, and fun for sure. I'm glad. I'm so glad. And I wanted to say something about what you said about, you know, the happy ending that you wanted. That makes me really happy because (laughs) I wanted it to be something that was, you know, plausible and relatable and what people would, would hope for without, you know, completely negating the entire book that they had just read. Um, but I, you know, I do think that there's a lot of value to be to, to, to books that, that inspire us and and are hopeful and are uplifting. You know, I I um I love to see things work out. You know, I love to see things work out in on the page or in a film or in a show. And I think if it's not going to happen there, you know, where is it going to happen? Um, and it's a real chance to really work through issues and problems and struggles and orchestrate things in, you know, at times maybe a more ideal way, but in a aspirational way. And I, I think that um, that can be a real joy as a writer. And it can also be a real joy as a reader. And I hope that readers feel the same way. And really, I think there were a lot of moments that we, that I looked at in the wise women as empowering, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of one of my favorite lines, I didn't write very many lines from the book, but when I read this, I was like, oh, that's good. Like <laughs> um, Clementine says um, about her, you know, the you know, you said the rug is pulled out from under her. Um, and she says, because I gave all my power away to make someone feel good about himself. And that just kind of hit me. And I thought. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of women will identify in that, you know, with that moment. Um, Yeah. But then you she is, you know, through the relationships with her mother and sister and other people in the story empowered to to evolve, you know, and and become a, you know, I don't want to say better, but, you know, a 
happier, you know, more fulfilled yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways. So I think there's also those real empowering moments in the story, too. I'm glad. I think so, too. I mean, that that's really important to me. I think none of us are perfect, obviously. You know, we all have struggles and we all have challenges. But for me, the most important thing is always that there is growth, right? Both yeah. in real life and, and in the characters that I read. You know, I want to see that evolution. I want to see them be affected by the things that they're going through. And it has an impact. And hopefully it has made them wiser and more aware in some way. Um, I, I, you know, that's the, this idea of, of not growing. I don't, I don't think it's possible, you know, and I, I think that um, in order for them to have real growth, they have to be affected by their circumstances and, and be better for them. I think you're right. I think they, I think they are better for them at the end. Uh, yeah, we've touched on a little bit in some of your other answers and some of our own questions, you know, that the wise woman explores the complicated relationships of mothers and daughters. And I think what makes it so effective is exploring the relationships through the individual perspectives of Wendy, Clementine and Barb. You know, it allows us to experience and empathize with old resentments that have built up over the years, but also, you know, just this genuine love that they have for each other. You know, but these characters, you know, aren't always likable. You know, they each have their own flaws. Could you talk a little bit about why writing flawed characters is so important to you? Oh, I think it's essential. Um, I'm flawed. You know, I, I, I don't know anyone who isn't flawed. Everybody I love is flawed in some way. Um, I think that just what makes us human. You know, we, we all have things that have left their mark on us. You know, some, some of them are from our own doing, some are circumstances, you know, the way the world that we were born into, our situation, but it's going to shape us. You know, when we're finding these women well into their, well into their, you know, their forties and approaching, you know, they're, they're, they're midlife, right? And, and older. And um, some of the characters in the book are younger in their twenties and in their thirties, but we're finding these women as adults is what I should say. And they bring a whole lifetime of experience with them. And I think that, as I said, that, you know, that, that leaves it mark and it's not always going to be pretty, but it's going to have shaped them in ways that are essential for them to keep moving forward. And it's created, you know, it's, it's a part of their personality. It's a part of the way they view the world. And sometimes it'll come up against one another and it'll clash and the reader might not like everything about the character, but I, think that's just true of life. I don't think that we like everything about the people that we love either. You know, I think that we can love them, but that doesn't mean we like every aspect of their personality. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, as librarians, you know, we do a ton of prep for all of our interviews because we can't help but these go down these research questions <laughs> are incredible. <laughs> I've only had two cups of coffee. I think I needed three uh, for your sorry, questions. Sorry. They we, should, just, we should have prepared amazing. you. <laughs> they're amazing. So, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm answering them. Uh, oh, you know, you're answering them you. phenomenally. So, of course, you know, in all of the prep, um, we came across a 2017 article that you wrote for Literary Hub called When All of Your Family Heirlooms Are Stories. And it just completely sucked me in and really resonated with me. I think we both had to. Yeah. I think we I know. Had I'm like reading it at the desk. I'm like, it's fine. I'm not crying. Like, don't they come up to the desk and like need me to answer anything for you or check anything out. Um, but in that article, 
you discussed your special one-on-one visits with your grandmother, you know, how she shared her story with you and kind of her lasting legacy on your work. And in it, you write, some families have many heirlooms, you know, things that are passed down from generation to generation, but not mine. We have stories. With having such reverence for stories in your own family, you know, how do you think this plays out in your writing? Oh, another killer question. Um, (laughs) It's so so good. Um, It's funny, I was thinking about this actually just this morning in relation to this, not that question, (laughs) but but about memory and about legacy and and just the the part that plays for me as a writer. Um, This idea of story is, it's often a memory of, of a family member or a memory of, you know, a friend or somebody that has an experience that they're sharing with you about themselves. And I think there's an interesting relationship that happens there. There's the information that you receive, and then there is the interpretation on the part of the person who's receiving it and how they intake it and they process it. And that memory, that story becomes their own. And so and then when they share it, it's the same thing's going to happen again. And I think that it's a real reminder to me about perspective and that we can have the same event happen to more than one person, you know, that creates a different story for each person who is either hearing it or experiencing it. And their relationship to that event is going to be changed. Um, based on who they are and their own filter and lens on how they see the world. And that is something that I wanted to put in the book in terms of perspectives for the three women. And also in terms of the stories of their childhood. You know, Barb has a very different story of her childhood than Clementine has of her childhood. And of when and that Wendy does as well. And of how Wendy viewed her own childhood with her mother. So um I think it's a really, I've always been really just really fascinated by that, by that idea of, again, perspective and just the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that we tell one another and how those stories really shape our lives. Thank you. Um, One of the things that I really loved about this book, you know, we talked about there are some deeper things for discussion and there are, you know, those lighter moments. I think this would really make a great book club book. Yeah. Really. I mean, um, because there are so many moments that start in the book that lead into these really great conversations. Um, one other thing I just want to touch on. There was another short article that you wrote that you feature on your website. Mm-hmm. Um for, that you wrote it in 2017 for a good housekeeping called How I Really Met My Mother. Yeah. And in that article, you ask, who was that girl before she was my mother? Um, and, I, you know, that's such a powerful moment in the lives for so many women asking that question, you know, often being triggered by a photograph of seeing their mother when she was young before they existed, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, thinking about our mothers in a time when they were not defined by being a wife or a mother, you know, and and really what that means. Um, And then really, you know, on the flip side of that, as I get older and my son is older, um, you know, finding identity and purpose beyond being a wife 
and a mother. It, it's such a very right. interesting juxtaposition. But I think that your book, you know, it really does bring those things, those discussion moments, you know, like it would be, you know, really great to sit with your book club and talk about some of these things. Um, and I would just like to say that, um, you know, after reading your book, I really, in that article, I really want to have another conversation with my mom. So mom, if you're listening, and I know you will be, um, <laughs> I, I want to hear your story. You know, I want to have that conversation. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Um, yeah, it's really important. You know, it's really important to, I think, view our mothers separate from ourselves, you know, to recognize that they were once completely, you know, um, their whole existence was not in relation to us, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and they had their own dreams and desires and aspirations, and they have their own heartbreaks and disappointments and challenges, and that that shaped them. And they have their own stories, many of which we don't know anything about. And, um, I think that's really, I think that's really important. I think that you're right. You know, as you get older, you're, we're able to see that a bit clearer um, because we're aging ourselves. You know, we have a greater understanding of it. Um, and you also touched on something that I think is a recurring theme in my work, you know, which is identity and this, the sense of, you know, who we are and where do we belong? I think a lot of us are trying to figure that out. And I, for me, it's always been a, a big question and it's one that, you know, gets turned over again and again and just, you know, we can figure it out and then something can change and it changes it again and the question comes up again. And I think that so many of us are just are looking for that that place to belong and to know where we where we fit in, what our role is and want to be seen. And there's different ways that, you know, people go about trying to be seen. And I think in many ways, you know, that was something that Wendy was going through, just wanting to be seen for who she was and what she could do. Yeah. So of course, uh, you know, outside of acting and writing, you're also the creative director and brand storyteller of your own agency, Words Make the Brand, where you've done work for the likes of Disney, Coca-Cola, Ocean Spray, H&R Block, just to name a few. Um, and on your company website, you state that the moment an idea becomes a reality, it needs words. And I love that your title is brand storyteller. That's such a cool way to describe what you do. So you obviously you. believe in the power of the right words to tell a story. Is there a book or an author that holds a special place in your memories as being the one, you know, the one that made you believe in the power of stories? Oh, gosh. Um, I know we're putting you on the spot again. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, there there are so many. Uh, you know, I think of being younger and reading Judy Bloom. You know, and having somebody that you know, spoke to people my age. You know, that was really that was really empowering and um, Beverly Cleary. You know, going back and. Uh, thinking of all, thinking of Ramona, um, I'm thinking of you know even even further back um, for me there was um, yeah I was I was very fortunate to have people look at my work and and be supportive at such a young age and I think that really that really makes a big difference. Um, my mentor is Caroline Levitt and she's also a really dear friend of mine. 
And I think she's a phenomenal writer in her ability to really capture characters and a sense of story that really just, you know, is all sweeping and you find yourself caught up in what's happening to these characters and their, their moral dilemmas. I mean, I think um, that's when I started studying at UCLA and she was my instructor, I was really blown away, you know, and um, same thing with Robert Evers, who was an instructor of mine at UCLA. Like he had this really fantastic Nina Zero series that was, you know, um, uh, about a woman. And I thought it was just, you know, so, so powerful, such great characters. And, and I think it's really important just to, to read outside of what you normally read as well. Um, there were times I've read, you know, thrillers and there've been times that I've read uh, action or spy and, um, I'm really encouraged by the fact that I come from, uh, was it, well, it's weird to say a family of readers, but my, my dad is a really huge reader and he reads everything. He reads outside of his genre all the time. And, um, you know, especially during the pandemic when we we're all meeting outside, you know, we would talk about what books he had read and he would bring his books and they were all over the place. There was things that were like women fiction, <laughs> political thrillers, nonfiction, you know, and historical fiction. And it was just such a great reminder to really um, remember that a great story is a great story, you know, and we would exchange books back and forth and my mom got in on the action and my husband got in on the action and you know, my son got in on the action, you know, and we're all looking at different different books that are maybe outside of what we might normally read. And I, I think that's important, you know, not to, to put just a, a label or a category or to limit yourself in terms of what you read. And, and so I, there's too many. I think the answer yeah. is there's too many. There's too many people. There's too many. I mean, there's so many great writers that I, that I really enjoy. And so many of them are, are contemporary writers as well. And I think, I think when that's you, really important. when you really are a reader, it is hard to, sometimes just to pick one I I totally totally get that um. <laughs> thank you for backing me up yeah no it is it's it is really challenging you know there there are so there's so many books that that shape us right yeah. and uh and it's hard to it's hard to think of just one do you have one that you found really shaped you hmm that yeah and I think um you know Kelsey and I are definitely, you know, as librarians in the camp of reading outside your comfort zone, mm -hmm. reading widely, reading, you know, picking up and right. reading a book that you wouldn't normally read. And so even if we just read the first 50 pages, you yeah. know, we have an idea of a story. And, you know, there so, are so many good books. Um, you know, we, we're also in the camp of abandoning books if we don't. <laughs> Yep. If we don't love it, you know, then we're, right. we have no shame in abandoning a story if it doesn't speak to us or if we're not getting something from the story. Um, right. But I also love that you touch on the social aspect of reading, because a lot of times we think of reading as a very, um, you know, solitary mm -hmm. thing. But I think even in one of your short form articles, you wrote about how your grandmother shared what she was reading with you. And, yeah. you know, it it really can be a bonding experience to talk about the stories that you're reading. And it's something away from, you know, the challenges of our world, whether it's a pandemic or a global crisis or, a, you know, it really is a great way to have a discussion, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, Absolutely. To, to create some, you know, even intimacy with 
the people that you share the stories with. So I, I love that you mentioned, you know, that social aspect of, you know, how books influence us. And I think it's also really um, important to, you know, get outside ourselves, as you're saying, you know, like there's, you know, there's so much going on in the world, but there's also so much going on inside of each of us, you know, and, and one thing that I really liked is, you know, during the, the height of the pandemic, when I was meeting with my parents um, on our front porch, was being able to talk about something other than what was going on. Yeah. You know, they would say, what's new? And I'd say, absolutely nothing. What's new with you? And they'd say, absolutely nothing. You know, we laugh. It makes for a really short conversation. <laughs> it makes for a very short conversation. Yeah. And, you know, it got to the point where I said, oh, please don't ask me what's new. Because every time I have to say nothing, I'm just so frustrated. Yeah. You know, it was just depressing. Um, you know, we're all doing our part. And, uh, and we're all, you know, we all want to be very careful. And so I would say, you know, what are you reading? And what do you think of it? And then we would talk about it. And it's great to be able to have these conversations, both you know, as a reader and as a writer, and also with people who you know, just pick up books that interest them. Like that's, you know, they're voracious readers. My mother's become one um, throughout this time. And, uh, and my dad um, you know, has always been one. But just, just to hear their different take on it, you know, sometimes there'd be something that I would say, you have to read this. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. And my father, who, you know, finishes everything, would bring it back to me and say, two thirds of the way had to stop. <laughs> I said, what? You finish everything? He's like, no. And his reasons were like, it's too depressing for right now. Or I just didn't like the voice of that character. Or, you know, it, and, and other things that they just adored that I would say, okay, that one, oh, I'll put that on my to be read list. But hope you don't need it back anytime soon because it's not on the top of the list you know and I think that um, it does it's it gives you a chance to to go into other worlds and experience other things from people's different perspectives and and to learn I feel like we learn a lot by reading so what a great segue for our last question (laughs) you know we can't let you leave without asking what you're reading now or if there's a book coming out soon that you are looking forward to reading Okay, let me tell you, I just finished, I'm, I'm often late to the game, like I will buy books as they come out, and then I'll put them on my pile. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, um, so I just finished reading Laura Zygmunt's Separation Anxiety, and I loved it. And um, I just thought it was such a great book and really, really tender and really smart and really funny. Like, you know, either times I'm like laughing, but it's also painful because, you know, these characters are really struggling. But th- that was just a terrific book for me. I loved it. Um, I have just um, started reading Olga Dies Dreaming. Oh, I loved that and, one. Uh, oh my gosh, it is absolutely fantastic. And um yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that. And that's by uh, Sochil Gonzalez. And that is just an absolutely phenomenal book. Um, what else am I really excited to start reading? Um, it's a really great question. Um, <laughs> and it's hard when you it's have a, hard a pile thing. of books. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. It's hard when you have a pile of books and also when your friends are writers. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want to just single out one, you know, one book that's coming out. Um, you know, but there, there, there are so many great books that are coming right now. And, you know, I will happily give a, 
a shout out to all of the wonderful women who blurbed me. I think let's do that. So, you know, Amanda Iyer Ward, who wrote uh, The Jet Setters, which was fantastic and fun and hilarious and also had like, you know, these great deep themes underneath it. She has a new book coming out called The Lifeguards. I'm looking forward to reading that. Courtney Mom, who wrote Touch and Costa Allegra and a really terrific book called um, before and after the book deal that's all the ins and outs of publishing that should be essential reading for really anyone who wants to be published or understand that world better she has a, a memoir coming out called uh, year of the horses and jane rosen who wrote eliza starts a rumor she's got a really great book coming out too called a shoe story that looks to be a ton of fun and an absolutely perfect beach read um, meg mitchell moore who wrote two truths and a lie has a book coming out that is Vacation Land, and Leanne Dolan has a book that comes out on the same day as as my book comes out, and um, that is called A Paris Story. And then Caroline Levitt, I'm looking forward to her next book. This will be, I don't want to say it is her 12th or her 13th. I mean, just incredible, puts me to shame. And, um, you know, and I'm really, um, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, and a correction, Leanne's book is called Lost and Found in Paris. Tells you how I've categorized things. It's a Paris story. It's a story about this. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's, you know, that will be wonderful for someone who hasn't traveled at all lately. Yeah. I think that um, it'll be nice to get lost in that. Um, you know, and that is the challenge with readers. Our lists are always longer mm-hmm. than the time so to read. But long. thank you for adding so to long. our reading list. We, oh, great. We definitely recommend that readers check out The Wise Women by Gina Sorrell. Available in libraries and bookstores everywhere on April 5th. And I do feel that I'm a little wiser now, having read this book. Thank you for I'm joining us thrilled today. thrilled to hear it. Thank you for joining us today on the first 50 pages, Gina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, really. And thank you for really giving my brain a workout. <laughs> Sorry we didn't allow you to get that third cup of coffee there. <laughs> no, no, that's it. I'll be having it now. But uh, no, it was, an, it was an absolute pleasure. And thanks for all that you do for authors and for readers. You know, it's uh, it, it's really wonderful to have all of that support and all of that enthusiasm. And, um, and I really appreciate being here. Well, thank you, Gina. Yeah, thank you.